Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Welcome to Wood Talk. Now, here are three guys who think true grit starts at 220. Mark, Shannon, and Matt. All right, it's show number 527. And on today's show, we're talking about refining curves with a spokeshave, dining table design conundrums, and random orbit sander speeds. But before we get to that, we want to let you know that Wood Talk is brought to you by Rockler. Rockler has been helping customers create with confidence for over 65 years. Rockler's giving away a $250 gift card to one lucky Wood Talk listener. Ooh, Enter for ooh. your chance to win before July 31st at rockler.com slash Wood Talk. I, I imagine none of you won the last card, right? Like me and Shannon? Do we know who won the last one? I didn't win it. Maybe it's on that page. We should go check. I just know it wasn't me. So I could use that money right now. Well, you know, they've been, someone's trying to reach me by extended warranty for my car. So maybe that, okay. Maybe that was them trying to reach me yeah. to let me know I want a gift card. I don't know. It could be. We're getting a lot of those calls lately. <laughs> those are the best. Oh, man. So if you want to help support this thing we're doing, uh, this Wood Talk show, you can do so. You can go to our Patreon. That's Wood. That's not Wood. That's Patreon.com slash Wood Talk and sign up to become a patron of the show. This week, we're thanking Beth and then Beth Coffee and then Chris Lziski and Steve Goodlow. Goodlow? Goodlow. Goodlow. Sure. I don't know, Steve. Whatever, man. We got uh, we got double bets today. What's up with that? I don't know. Double bets. <laughs> How do you get double bets? That doesn't ever happen. Uh, I'll take no. it. <laughs> never. Uh, no, it's never happened. Anyway, well, thanks, Beths, Chris, and Steve. I appreciate that. <laughs> All right. So, what's on the bench? Um, well, I'll tell you what. A bunch of stuff going on. Uh, you know, I got a, a lovely gift from the world since the last recording. A gift from uh, the world in the in the, in the <laughs> package, the packaged form of COVID. Ah, uh, yes, which was fantastic. So, Matt, you missed the last show when I dropped the bomb is that, about... Is that when you got COVID movie. on the last show? Uh, from Shannon. Yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. Straight through the interwebs. <laughs> yep. <laughs> right, into my, right into my mouth. <laughs> so, it's great. <laughs> yeah, I'm one of those jerks who actually didn't have it, but passed it on to someone else. Oh, and everyone hates right. like, no, I actually have you have it, but I'm spreading it around, yeah, apparently. Giving it to everybody. You feeling better? Yeah, it's... It's a, yeah, I'm feeling much better. So if, if I sound a little bit off, that's just my normal voice. Uh, I'm probably you always uh, sound still a little bit off. Bit, yeah, I always sound like Kermit the Frog. So I've been told. Um, yeah, just a little bit, a little bit of congestion. This was very quick for me. Uh, I would call it like a very rapid, mild flu. Um, just was like in, out, and done. But you got to take all these extra precautions. And I was scared to death because like we're in Missouri when I start feeling a little bit off. We had been looking at houses. We had one more day of house tours to do. And the night before I was like, that there's like, do I feel something? I think I feel something like in my throat. Is there, and I couldn't really tell went to bed. I had shared drinks with my daughter. I, um, like when we're on the road, we tend to break up the kids and I sleep with one and Nicole takes the other. So, um, reading stories to Mateo, he's laying on my chest in bed. We slept in the bed together. 
Um, and you know, of course, kiss my wife. I do that constantly all day long <laughs> at this point in our marriage. It's just, it's, it's nonstop. And in spite of all of this, thankfully no one else got sick. Uh, but after, after doing a story yesterday on Instagram and being like, uh, Hey, I'm back. Everybody had COVID. Nobody's sick. I get a call, um, from my brother-in-law and, uh, turns out my, my mother-in-law has it now. Um, but she just came, she just came back from working in Arizona and had a flight and just had, you know, as many opportunities to get infected through that as she did with me. It's like, I didn't really interact with her directly that much. So who the heck knows? It's not even worth trying to figure out the sort of path that this stuff takes. But then I also heard from Shannon that his wife <laughs> winds up coming down with it. So I think it's making its rounds to all the people who didn't get it yet. Yeah. <laughs> you know, we, you may have removed the mask mandates, but like the kids still having sleepovers and stuff like that, man, it, it there's been like this, this like little outbreak um, yeah. within her school where I guess one kid got it similar to like what you're talking about. Like the parent was on a business trip or something like that and they had it and gave it to their child. And then the child had a sleepover. I'm hoping like the sleepover happened before they knew the child had COVID hopefully. Yeah. Um, but like every single, like 12 girls at the sleepover, every single one of them got it. Oof. And of course they found out when they're at school, when one of the 12 girls didn't come into school that day because she was sick. Mm -hmm. So then the school immediately said, okay, you 11 go get tested. They all came back positive. Oh. They were all sent home. Oh, you know, boy. they did like the 15 mm -hmm. minute rapid test. They were all sent home. And then they proceeded to test all the teachers that of course had been teaching them that morning <laughs> when they found out they did a good test and something like, I don't know, two thirds of those teachers tested positive, wow. my wife being one of them. They all immediately, you know, the policy is go home for at least five days, um, then test again. And then, you know, if it's all good, you, you can come back. So yeah, I get the phone call. I'm at work. I get the phone call Tuesday. This the whole thing went down Monday and, and Heather's like, well, uh, I didn't go in this morning cause I have COVID. So <laughs> I, I literally like Slam my laptop shut. You gotta go. Walked out the door of the office. And as I'm in the car pulling away, I called my boss and I was like, yeah, I'm not at my desk right now. And I figured you'd probably, I'd rather call probably won't tell be. you this. Yeah. <laughs> right. Jeez. Yeah. So I just, and yeah, not a thing. Um, I've actually tested negative and, you know, I've got, it's one of the things about <clears throat> being in training for triathlons. I have so much heart rate data. Yeah. <laughs> like, you can, my heart rate's good. You can tell when something's anything. off. <laughs> Pretty much. Yeah. yeah. You know, they talk about like how those uh, whoop strap things like really helped like NBA players and things like that during the height of COVID and allowed them to monitor like everything. Cause I think the NBA was one of the first sports to kind of go back because they yeah. could of course play in an arena and just not let any, you know, it was a little bit easier to, to, to quarantine, I think. But yeah, heart rate, it's a good indicator. So somehow I managed to avoid it. Well, good for you. It's, I mean, it's, it's not fun no matter what happens, but it just feels, it feels a little bit different. And, uh, you know, the last couple of years of that, ev that everybody's gone through and just experiencing this, there's a lot more fear around it, right? Like you don't necessarily know what's going to happen. Is it just going to be a cold? But, you know, thankfully most people these days seem to just, you know, their, their systems can kind of shrug it off and it's not that big of a deal, but yeah, it's no fun. I drove home, uh, in a rental car by myself and it was just as this thing was scaling up <laughs> and uh, drove, which I don't know that I would recommend, but I needed to get the heck out of there out of my mother-in-law's house. Right. Puppy dog. Who's the puppy dog? Good Lord. Who's the puppy? Who knows? Dude, you know, what's funny. We had totally unrelated. We had pictures at the house today, emptied out the house. My mom's not a big fan of my dogs because they're just big and dumb and they break stuff and poop in places. And, um, so she's got a small condo and I'm like, mom, hate to do it. I got to take the dogs over there. This like lady's coming through with a 360 degree camera for a virtual tour thing. And I got to get them out of here. So they're over there. She, she texts me. She goes, all I did was take a shower and she sends me a picture of an entire potted plant <laughs> that has been pulled out of the pot <laughs> with the dirt everywhere. And the plant is very clearly not coming back from this. It's not, not going to make it. <laughs> oh <my God. laughs> and I'm like, I'm so sorry, mom. This is going to be a very bad couple of days because we're going to stay with her while the, the showings are. Happening. Oh, so, oh, stupid dogs. But I love them. Okay. Anyway, just <gasps> to close you, out this whole thing. Wouldn't you just like. 
I would just pay anything to know the thought process in the dog's head. There's, like, there's a yeah, snack in there somewhere. Pull this plant out of the pot. Well, like, what you know, the hell? much like a shark that gets a taste for blood and, you know, is obsessed with it. We decided to plant some pretty little flowers in a garden bed in the backyard, which we haven't done since owning our, this place just because it's not worth it with the dogs. And she has been slowly but surely picking every little flower out of this friggin' garden and putting it on the patio. And I think she's gotten a taste for the dirt. And delicious, now delicious she's going dirt. For it. Delicious, sweet dirt. And uh, mm, she's dirt. all excited about it. My mom loves her plants too, which is, I am going to owe my mom a <laughs> Of course she does. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, to wrap wow. up this whole uh, Missouri thing, uh, last time we talked, I kind of dropped the bomb about this whole thing and said that we were looking at a 14 acre property uh, just outside of St. Louis. We did put an offer in on that property. Uh, we were a second offer at, at the time because that's the market we're in where everybody's taking backup offers. Of course. Uh, yeah. And that first offer did fall through and we are now the primary. We're under contract uh, contingent upon selling this house. Um, so this 14 acre property has me pretty excited. And uh, on our next show, we're going to talk a little bit more about uh, things that we're looking for. If we were to buy property, uh, Matt recently, not, not that long ago, bought his property um, in the process now. And I guess, Shannon, you could always dream, right? <laughs> always dream. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it, so we'll talk a little bit more about Shannon. in the next five years. <laughs> <laughs> and on the next show, I will talk a little bit more about what's on this property. Um, it's not mine yet, so I don't want to jinx anything, but... Um, it'll, it'll dovetail into that conversation. Let's, let's on this property. <laughs> 14 Gold. acres is a heck of a slip and slide. <laughs> you ain't kidding, man. It's a heck of a lawn to mow. I can tell you that much. Ah, the slip and slide will kill the grass. Don't okay. worry about it. If you, yeah, we get enough coverage, we'll just suffocate it. Yeah. All right. That's enough for me, Matt. <laughs> you, you got a busy life right now too. What do you got going on? Dude. Stuff. All kinds Where of stuff. Where you been? I've been, uh, you know, at the beck and call of Donovan. Mm-hmm. You know, hanging out with him, Taskmaster. working on, working on keeping him on task, working on this house. Nice. Not really. Lots of windows lately, right? Yeah. So we are finally at the the point where we're transitioning from like all the rough stuff to finishing is kind of where we're mm-hmm. at right now. So all of the windows. That's my favorite transition. Oh yeah. You know, how you wrote a whole book on finishing. Um <laughs> <laughs> so we just finished installing all the windows so that we, we did uh, what the heck was this, 17 windows on this project and a door. Wow. Uh, yeah. So uh, the, all the framing is done. The, the interior space is totally transformed from an old entryway or it was an entryway into now a blank slate for a kitchen and other stuff. Ooh. Thus, it's, it's a good point to be at. April was kind of a crap month for the project. Um, we had a really terrible start to spring. It was mm-hmm. very cold and very rainy and snowy and drizzly and sleety. And a lot of the things we were waiting for uh, had to do with doing stuff outside and curing temperatures above freezing and stuff like that. So we're like, yeah, we can't do much anything. So it was kind of a frustrating probably three or four weeks there. And then mm, the last week or so, it's like everything just kind of came together. We just knocked it all out. And now we have a room that's ready to go for uh, installation. Nice. Which is amazing. So what wow. is, uh, do you guys have like a proposed timeline for finishing the bulk of this? When it's done. It's done when it's done. <laughs> it's done. <laughs> it's done. <laughs> the best kind of answer you want. I think realistically it's probably sometime in the fall. Kind of okay. early fall. Because now you can get like, you can kick it into high gear at this point, right? Uh, yeah, cause it's all inside stuff. So I'm going to start getting the flooring together and then I'll start, uh, doing the cabinets and then we'll start doing all the trim after that. Nice. Cause there's, do you have any I other, say, I don't know if high gear is the right word. Cause now is when everything like gets really fine. Oh, it takes longer. Down. Yeah. <laughs> and this is a, not a very undetailed project. Yeah. The, the architects and designers, uh, dialed up the detail level quite a bit nice like oh there's this guy who can like make woodworking stuff let's uh let's dial it way he's a descendant of charles and henry green apparently yeah so (laughs) we have two small pieces of drywall and then everything else is either windows trim uh or cabinets or backsplash dude that's crazy like i think it's i think we'll have well maybe two sheet no four sheets of drywall that you'll be able to see and that entire space 
Do you have any other parts of this project that are coming due that will involve like an additional subcontractor that you and Donovan aren't going to handle? Or is it all you guys from here? Uh, we have the installation. We're having spray okay. foam done. So they're going to come and do that. And then the, the countertops, the fabrication of the stone countertops will obviously, we'll, I don't have any stuff for that. So we're going to take okay. a, a field trip and we're going to see how they lay out, cut and polish a piece of stone. Really? Yeah. How'd you explain that? I asked nicely. That, sound, that sounds like a new Yankee workshop episode. That's what I'm yeah, going for right? here. Yeah. Where Norm goes to the stonemason shop. And <laughs> yeah, exactly. man, that's fantastic. So we, I, right I, I always get nervous asking for things like oh, that. Oh, I didn't, I didn't. I had the architect ask. Oh, there you go. You had an <laughs> nice. He's like, there you go. do you have any preferences on stone fabricators? I'm like, I don't really have a preference. Just make sure if you find me one, make sure that they're okay doing something on camera. Yeah. And that's good. That they took care of that. So we found a guy that's like actually excited and interested in sharing the process of how they do all the stonework. Cause stonework, I didn't, I never thought about it, but it's very, very similar to like woodworking or like or it's really near wood. woodworking. Cause they had the whole, they're all sequential cut stone pieces. So it's kind of like veneer or kind of like slab work. So you can do yeah. book matches or slip matches or radial matches with the stone. And you can lay out your countertops, you know, at a bias angle relative mm -hmm. to how it was sawn out of the chunk of stone to get some kind of grain you like better. You can do that. So I'm like, oh, this is exactly like freaking laying out parts on a slab and cutting them out. So you're just going to wear there a hard go. hat and goggles and nod a lot during this, right? <laughs> I mean, I've already seen this episode. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yes. Yeah. Okay. Yes. Exactly. Yes. <laughs> It's going to be awesome though, man. That's some safety cool. glasses. Yes. What a cool way to document this like experience uh, for you guys. Well, I've been trying to show like a little more realistic detail level to this whole process mm -hmm. of like, yeah, you know, it doesn't always go according to plan. There's like a lot going on and it's never just one small little thing because everything yeah. is kind of interrelated. And there's, if you're tying into something that's been done already before, you're probably going to find something that someone did weird or wrong or poorly. Yeah. You'd be fixing right. that too along yeah. the way. So there's, you know, it's, it's that's a the journey. story of my house. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's called history. Uh -huh. Beautiful yeah. history. Uh -huh. Uh -huh. <laughs> well, cool, man. Now, that's awesome. Speaking of things that other people have done before you, are you doing the plumbing and electrical on this too? Is that you and Don? No, we or had subsidies. Those are easy to just okay. kind of hand off. We had plumbing, electrical, and HVAC subs. That just seems to me be easier just because of codes and things like that. Yeah, it kind of, I mean, it, it depends. Like, it's still inspected work regardless of who does it. But at the end of the day, they're really easy to, to delegate. Because, like, yeah. at a certain point, you're like, yeah, we could do all of this. But, like, I got a life. Like, I, got, I don't want to be doing this for, like, years either. Right. And those are really easy to say, like, okay, here's a plan. Go for it. Because, like, that was super easy with electricians. We got some good ones. We give them the plans that the architect drew. And there's, like, there's do it. And it's done. And they're fast. And they're very, they're very fast. <laughs> so I'm like, you guys got a lot done today. I'm like, this would have taken me, like, a week. And you're just done. I'm like, so this is what a normal job site looks like. All right. All right. Yeah. <laughs> nice. Uh -huh. Sweet. Yeah. So you're not staying for the week? <laughs> Dang. Dang. It's going to make dinner. All right. Well, so much for that. <laughs> That's cool. <laughs> I'm excited to see it come together. Me too. Me too. I'll bet. Shannon, what are you doing, man? Oh, I have like a series of projects that come up like every couple of years um, that I do for my wife for various lesson plans that she, that she does. So some of them happen every year, you know, a new fifth grade class, she's into her Mozart unit again. So I have to do a little project and there's one where they, they, they use a lyre and they, they learn like string harmonics and, and it gets together with the physics teacher and they do this cool kind of cross disciplinary thing. So like 10 years ago, we made a whole bunch of liars. Um, I made, series of bridle joints and, you know, mortise and tenons for the cross beam and everything. And then the next year came around and I was like, man, I don't want to do all that again. So I did something like out of a piece of plywood and I just cut a hole in the piece of plywood, you know, instead of making the U shape and the cross beam and everything. And then the couple of years after that, we got this idea to, why don't we just buy some like commercial 
unfinished picture frames from like Michael's craft store and I'll cut one end off and glue it into the other and we have a liar again. And that's become like the standard that we do this. And I've now done that that method like six times. Hmm. The problem is, is it seems like every year the number of students in her class goes up. So what was a solution to make it a real simple, like knock it out on a couple of evenings to do like 10 of these is no longer the case anymore because now instead of making 10, I have to make like 52. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, but, but as a, as a, uh, kind of a, a dovetailing into our discussion in one of our last couple episodes about the whole plywood thing and Baltic birch going through the roof or being unavailable to get. Just to go to show you that the marketing term Baltic birch does not guarantee quality. <laughs> we bought a bunch of quote unquote Baltic birch picture frames from Michael's craft store. Um, and this is the crappiest birch plywood <laughs> I have ever seen. It is so packed with voids. The of course face veneers are like tissue paper thick, not even paper thick, tissue paper thick. Um, the fact that there's actually face veneers, cause like, you know, again, quote unquote, real Baltic birch doesn't really have face veneers. It's the same, just the outer, plywood, it's right? you know, yeah, it's, it's the same thing. So in some like nicer, uh, veneer birch plywood, you'll have the birch core, and then you've got some other fancy or hardwood ply on the front and back. I think they tried to do the same thing here, but they just use birch. Um, and of course the birch on the face is not free and all that stuff, but it is so ridiculously thin that there's absolutely no way I can saw it without it. Like delaminating along the entire surface, like wow. it, it, it frays and then like just peels all the way down to the end of the board. Mm -hmm. I mean, they're going to end up painting this. These are fifth graders, you know, as long as the edges are not splintered and they're smooth, they'll paint them. Who cares? But man, like this, and it's just so funny because in the efforts to make the project simpler over the years, it's just gotten harder <laughs> because the, the quality of the material just makes things so much more difficult. So I guess that underscores the things that we've said, like, you know, a hundred times, don't skimp on your materials. Mm -hmm. Like if you're going to save money on a project, don't, don't save money on the wood or the plywood or whatever, you know, go to Harbor Freight and buy some clamps. <laughs> don't go to Harbor Freight and buy your lumber. <laughs> Jeez. I remember a post that Austin Hardwoods did a series of posts, actually the guy that worked there, um, was really into the whole Baltic birch, Russian birch sort of thing. And he had a series mm -hmm. of posts that laid out the differences between these and that it's definitely not all the same and all these close-ups showing how not necessarily even voids, but almost like the, the layers you can kind of see on a cut edge with a cross section, you could see how they were just kind of like the layers were almost dented into one another. So they're not straight. They're almost wavy, you know, and you're just like, how, how is this thing even laid up to, to look like that? But it was a night and day difference between that and like the really, really good Baltic birch. Yeah, the, the real, like the guys who specialize in selling plywood, especially importing plywood, they can pretty much look at the layers and tell you what mill it came out of. Yeah. <clears throat> There's like a, like a fingerprint on how, how it's laid up, how it's pressed, how long it's pressed, all that stuff. I know with a lot of the Chinese stuff, um, the color of the glue will tell you mm -hmm. the manufacturer and the mill because they all use um, like a proprietary, each one, each mill has their own proprietary glue. And of course they dye it so that they can see that they applied it <laughs> right because it's applied so thinly <laughs> make sure there's some there yeah that's exactly <laughs> what it is and and i kid you not like that's how they know when it's time to refill the glue vat they don't stop the production line yeah they just oh we ran out of glue so let's refill it what about the sheets that just went through that didn't get glue ah don't worry about it you know, and, and to some respect, you don't need to worry about it because the, the veneers are so thin that the glue just kind of soaks through and ends up gluing the next one. Pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> that's great. That's good to yeah. know. But you know, that's, yeah, all sheets are not created equal by, by no means. Yeah. All right. Well, you guys know who else likes to support a bunch of liars? <laughs> ah! <laughs> wow. It's <sighs> good, right? Uh -huh. <laughs> Something like that. It's Rockler. Oh, we're it, the oh, liars. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, in case you didn't get the joke. I didn't. Uh, you know, Rockler <laughs> wants to tell you all about gift guides. I was thinking like, why, why are they talking about gift guides? 
There's a lot of holidays coming up. I don't know if you guys realize this. If you're looking for a gift for Mother's Day, Father's Day, maybe a recent graduate or a special birthday, Rockler can help. Rockler's gift guide includes all the tools and supplies that you need to give or make gifts for your friends and your family. Looking for gift-making ideas? Rockler's handmade gift guide includes over 100 free plans and project ideas to help you make the perfect gift. If you don't have time to make a gift, look through Rockler's gift-giving guide to find the latest woodworking tool for that special woodworker in your life. Uh, find links to uh, all this stuff. You're going to find them in the show notes, but you can just go to rockler.com. The homepage there will have links to their handmade gifts and the gift guide. And you're going to want to check those out. If you're strapped for ideas, I know I am because now my mom's done so much for me. And the last thing she wants is a rockler clamp. So I'm going to have to figure something else out. <laughs> you don't know that. <laughs> you know what she needs? Dude, does rockler have a dustbin uh, and a broom for plants, <laughs> for dead plants. I would like a, like a little casket thing for the plant. No, but they do have garden tools that you can use to repot oh plants. Yeah. Oh, there you go. Okay. We could do that. Or maybe a cremation urn for my dog. <laughs> <laughs> if you got one of those, or like a little box kit. How about that? A, a finger joint kit. So I can make a box for my, my poor Abby. <laughs> Cause I don't think she's wow. going to make it. Oh wait, we're doing an ad here. Okay, so make sure you go check that out. There's a link in the show notes. Thank you for your support, Rockler. We always appreciate it. Okay, I'm sorry. I can't let this go, but I went to Rockler and I clicked on the gift guide and there is a link for Mother's Day gift guide. And I got to say, Rockler, you're letting me down a little bit. Oh no. I see, I see a coffee mug. I see an apron. I see a baseball cap like a weather station wall clock and like a shop stool. Mm -hmm. If I gave any of these things to my mom, I would be in so much trouble. <laughs> She's going to say, you're out of here. <laughs> I'm not sure what you're trying to do here, Rockler. Get, I like the, uh, the, the weather station and the campfire style mug. The, the stainless steel tumbler, like turning kit. Okay. Yeah. That's cool. Um, the Rockler shop journal. I'm not sure my, my uh, mom would be into that. She's uh, a brand She's a real mug. estate agent. She's got to write her stuff down, man. Yeah. Get her a shop yeah. journal. Can't be forgetting stuff. She's retired. She doesn't want to talk about that stuff anymore. <laughs> okay. I, I I called her the other day to, just to to tell her, you know, hey, Mark and Nicole are moving, and she's like, boy, I'm so glad I'm out of real estate. <laughs> grumble, right grumble, grumble, grumble. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much. Yeah. Get off my lawn. Anytime I brush up against it, I realize how that would definitely not be the industry for me to be in. Like, yeah, it's just, it's difficult. Yeah, it's you got to talk of to people legwork. Yeah. You got to shake hands. You, <laughs> you got COVID nice two years people. ago. You know, it's a whole thing. It's a whole thing. Uh, anyway, sorry, Rockler <laughs> right on the, on the heels of your ad. Yeah, I'm not sure that I'm not sure you get the mother's day gift thing. <laughs> uh, it's fine. How dare you, sir? It's fine. I like it Rockler. So. You got that. Uh, let's get to kickback. <laughs> you, got that, you got that? You got that. Yeah. Uh, Shannon, you're up. Yeah, this is from Cam. <clears throat> he said, I heard on the last episode when you were discussing the esoteric links people go to to discuss sharpening methods and squaring of tools. And at one point mentioned that, quote, 80 grit is sharp, end quote, referencing something Todd Clippinger's uh, belt sanding test. Mm -hmm. I'd like to get some clarifying info as this seems to conflict with the majority of the information I've gathered along my journey that sharp is the meeting of two polished surfaces. It seems like 80 grit is woefully inadequate to accomplish this task, though if everything is flat, would make a tool acceptably sharp for very basic tasks. If I'm misunderstanding things entirely, and it is really only for edge retention, as you say, what am I missing from all the other conversations I've had in the field? Well, here's the problem, is everybody likes to talk about sharpening and everybody's got their own opinion. So if you listen to enough people, you're going to find lots of contradiction. Um, I think the, the error in your sharp is the meaning of two polished surfaces is the polished part. Technically two intersecting surfaces are sharp. Um, think about a freshly jointed board and you run your handle on that board and you're going to slice your finger open. Yeah. Um, you know, and that could be, that could be a 90 degree corner. Um, and I would hardly call like, uh, the 90 degree corner of a red oak board polished. Um, maybe maple might be more polished. Um, but the, the way that I like to kind of describe this, uh, certainly to, to like my hand tool school student says is as you're, as you're using 
whatever grit, you're essentially scratching the surface. So like under a microscope, you're putting these kind of grooves in the surface. And the idea is to get a consistent scratch pattern. So all those grooves kind of all run the same direction. Uh, well, when those grooves hit the end, instead of it being kind of one continuous edge, you have like little tiny fingers, like it's a frayed edge. And serrated you know, each one way, of those right? grooves. Yeah. Serrated. That's a much better word for it. Thank you, Mark. Mm -hmm. Good job. Um, Good for something. And as you, <laughs> as you work up in the grit, from 80 to 100 to 1,000, the serration gets finer and finer and finer and finer. So each one of those little fingers, serrated pieces, um, gets smaller and smaller and smaller and has maybe a little bit more steel backing it up. So it's more durable. Um, it's not going to fray as much. If you imagine you had like a, a three inch long serrated piece and a half an inch long serrated piece, that half inch one is going to break off with a lot more force than the three inch long bit of metal. So technically they're still sharp. Like the, the three inch long ones are just as sharp as the little half inch long ones, but the three inch ones are going to break off. And once it breaks, it's not sharp anymore because the break is, is ragged. It's usually kind of rounded in certain places. And that's really what's happening as a blade gets dull. It's not that the angles changing or, or anything like that. It's, it's the edge itself is kind of folding and crumbling as it force is placed upon it. So the more refined that edge, i.e., um, the higher the grit you go, the harder it is to kind of break and fold and destroy that edge. So sharp can be achieved on a sidewalk, you know, whatever <laughs> grit that is. Um, you grind it on a sidewalk and you can get it pretty sharp. Um, if you had like a guide and are at least getting, you know, a continuous bevel. Um, and, you know, moving up into the grits is also going to be sharp, but it's just going to be more durable. So that's clarifying that. Sorry, that went from kickback kickback to answering a question. Yeah, it Oops. did. You got a two for stop today. giving things away for free. Seriously, <laughs> we're in this for the money, man. What are you doing? <laughs> All right, got another kickback from Justin. Uh, he says, in regards to a contractor versus cabinet table saw. Thanks for the feedback, guys. I moved forward with the cabinet saw and got a Grizzly G one hundred two three RLW with built-in router table. Really excited about getting it assembled and comparing it to my job site saw, even though I know there is no <laughs> comparison. Uh, also, sorry to disappoint everyone. Very important note here, you oh, guys. But my wife does not have a sister, although she was flattered by the question. How about a brother? Yeah, yeah a brother? <laughs> what about a brother? We're not picky. <laughs> we'll take anything. <laughs> oh, oh, okay. Yeah, just, just keep, uh, keep going, please. Get us off this topic quickly. Or I say something very well, I know. Here's a, here's a good way to occupy some time. Hey, Shannon, why don't you take the first question? <laughs> okay, then. This is from Sean. <laughs> he has he wants to make gentle curves. Ooh, Ooh. I like those. Yeah, I'm not moving on. Man. <laughs> Staying right on this. Um, <laughs> so Sean says I use I use the jigsaw. Don't have a bandsaw to get close to my line. What is the best way to finesse a curve or really create it after a rough jigsaw cut? I've used my palm sander and card scrapers, but I'm wondering if a spoke shave is the better way. If so, can you give a rundown of the spoke shave market from Lee Valley versus Lee Nielsen versus boutique makers, blah, blah, blah. Okay. So um, definitely the rougher that initial cut, um, you, you kind of want to throw a medium tool in there. If you think back to Chris Schwartz's idea of coarse, medium, and fine, you know, if you're using a jigsaw, I would pretty much call that a rough cut. Even some of the nicer jigsaws, I've never used like a Festool jigsaw, but I remember having a really, really nice Bosch one that kept the blade um, much more stable than like a Black & Decker one. Um, and it still left a pretty rough cut. I would think a bandsaw is going to give you a much finer cut, especially if you use a finer blade. That would be more of like a medium tool. And at least you can get a little bit more of a flowing curve. But the jigsaw is kind of like, you know, a really, really rough road. Um, so if you go to a palm sander or a card scraper, both of which I consider to be fine tools, it's going to be a lot of work. First of all, like the card scraper is going to bounce and judder all over the surface because you've got a really rough surface. Palm sanders, you're going to need to start with a pretty heavy grit just to kind of get rid of all the serrated marks. Thank you, Mark. <laughs> um, <clears throat> 
just to get kind of a continuous surface that can begin to be refined or fared into a flowing curve. So the beauty of something like a spoke shave is it is a bladed tool and you can set it rough and it will make quick work of those little serrations, all that rough mark on there to get you into, you know, something that doesn't have, um, you know, lumps and bumps and all over it and begin to actually start sculpting and shaping at that point. The beauty of the spoke shift, I think though, is you can adjust it into a fine cut and turn it also into the fine kind of finishing polishing tool as well. Um, so, you, you know, I, I think that's the go-to. Uh, if you use it right, you don't even really need the sandpaper or the card scraper. Again, depending upon the radius of the cut, you know, if it's a really tight radius, this spoke shape can be kind of hard to get in there. But because, because of this, if you're using the jigsaw and you've got that rough cut, to me, the answer as far as the, the, the shave to choose is pretty obvious. And I, I've said this on the show before. I think the perfect first shave from spoke shave for anybody is Lee Nielsen's, or excuse me, Lee Valley's bevel, bevel up shave the kind of black cast iron looking one. It's not cast iron, but it looks like it. The black oh, not one, the one with, the, with the wooden handles. Correct. Yeah. Not the okay. wooden handled one. It's, it's black. It's, it's, uh, you know, well, it's, it's a bevel up blade. Um, it's got kind of an adjustable fence on the front that allows you to use it as more of a flat bottom shave or more of a round bottom shave. But the beauty of it is that fence, stop it. <laughs> <laughs> That fence can be adjusted. Gonna shave up my and round down. bottom. I'm gonna be there for a while. <laughs> Lord. Let you know. I'm get clogged. Uh, well, just 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 looking at, at at your arms, I imagine there's a lot of shaving that needs to be done first. Matt knows what I'm talking about. Oh, I do. Oh boy. Wow. Oh, very Sean, gentle. Let me apologize to my co-hosts here. Uh, every now and then when I try to talk woodworking, I'm reminded that this show is not about woodworking. Yeah. No, not in the slightest. No. It used to be. Not anymore. Anyway, Sean, you can adjust that fence up and down in order to create a, a rougher cut or a finer cut. So with one tool, you can go from that rough jigsaw surface to a medium tool that's going to kind of get you into a curve and then adjust the fence down a little, tighten up the cut to get a really fine you know, sculpting finish ready surface. Or what I do is I actually set the fence at an angle. So like the left side of the shave is a, is a um, coarser cut and the right side of the shave is really, really fine. So in one motion, you can work the mm. right side and get, you know, really aggressive and kind of peeling off the, the rough surface and then switch over to the left side of the shave and refine the cut a, a lot more. Um, that really is, is like, I think the best all around shave. Um, and it's so adjustable that in many instances you won't really need to go anywhere else. Um, if you get to the point where you're using a lot and you really want kind of like the smoothing plane of spoke shaves, that's where the Lee Nelson bog shave comes in. That thing is absolutely wonderful or like boutique makers, um, uh, Caleb James, his, his bevel up spoke shave, wooden spoke shave is a thing of beauty. Absolutely beautiful, smoothing type shave, very, very tight mouth. But again, it's not adjustable. If you want to open the mouth for rougher work, you actually have to like file the mouth open. And as you know, you can take what off, but you can't put it back on. So it's, it's, it's one that you want to keep smooth. Um, Mark brought up the wooden Lee Valley shaves. I actually don't like those. Um, I'm not a fan of them. I don't like the little adjustment mechanism um, they use with the two screws. Um, yeah. Unless unless you like the idea of having one side set heavier than the other, but the mouth opening on those shaves is not really designed for a super heavy cut. You'd have to actually file to open up the mouth to take a heavier cut. So it, yeah, it's just too much fiddling, I think. Um, so I've, I've tried those a couple of times and did not like them any of those times. So- mm. There you go. Okay. A whirlwind tour of the spoke shave market. <laughs> Very nice. <laughs> okay. My question is from Steve and Steve sent a, a voicemail here. So let me play that. Hey guys, Steve from North Carolina. Uh, I had a question about a table I'm building. Uh, it's going to be a dining room table. It's going to be 70 by 36 with four different quadrants um, such that the wood grain uh, of the one quadrant will run perpendicular to the ones beside it. So I'll have end grain butting up with uh, edge grain. And I was wondering, you know, how worried should I be about that um, expansion and contraction through the seasons? And I was just going to do a, a dowel joints 
um, along those uh, intersections. I don't know if that's enough or, you know, if I should think about a different design. Um, I don't want to do breadboards. Uh, it's not really the style I'm going for. Um, so just wanted to get your input and see what you thought, if I should be worried and find a new design or if you think it might work. Thanks. All right. <clears throat> On that scale, that makes me nervous. And uh, traditionally, I would really advise against doing that just because you're, it just feels like you're asking for problems when you orient what is essentially four panels to all conflict with one another. Uh -huh. It seems like a bad idea. Now that said, then I would love your input too, guys. Uh, when I look at things that I see on like Instagram and I see like herringbone designs and like some of the tables that people are making patterns with that really should not work very well, like long-term and they, they, I guess they seem to, or maybe they like, they go nuts and we just never hear about it. I don't know, but I've seen enough to make me sometimes question my apprehension about these sorts of designs where your, uh, grain directions are directly conflicting with one another. So, uh, you know, if I were really hung up on that pattern, I would probably be personally looking into something with a, a layer of veneer on the top and it almost becomes kind of like a parquetry pattern of sorts. Uh, but if you do this with solid wood, well, lots of people are doing it and they seem to be okay. I don't know. Like, do you guys have any thoughts on that? Like impossible designs that really shouldn't do well, but somehow they survive. Uh, Is they it worth moved? the risk? <laughs> or that? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Maybe they happen I mean, to be in a very stable environment, but this day someone stores it in a barn is yeah. it's destroyed. Right. That kind of thing. I'll tell you, this is something that's on my mind coming up here soon because everything I have ever built mm, that I can remember yeah. has been built in either Arizona or Denver. <laughs> oh, and now I'm moving to Missouri. Expansion. So let's find <laughs> out what happens wow. to all this furniture when it actually gets into humidity. Uh, 65% average relative humidity all the time. Welcome. <laughs> Welcome. Look, you always want to make, will love it. You found the, the secret board stretcher. All right. Yeah. Right. They're all your all my furniture are is get too bigger. big. I can't get it in the house. You got wood back now. See, yeah. you fix the problem. The one piece you cut too small. I fixed. always question these designs. Like why make them out of solid wood? Like to me, if you're going to play with wood grain, it's so much easier and frankly cheaper to use veneer, you know, and you can get really, really cool veneers. Like you can use species that you would not have access to in solid wood or figure that, that you would feel almost, you know, ashamed to use a big thick board of, of like heavily figured maple or something. If you wanted to use solid, you could, you could build like a substructure and have those panels maybe float, um, not quite float, but, but then you're, you're going to have an edge at some point where like in the middle of uh, the edge of the table, you're going to have that joint of the two panels and something is going to be mismatched at some point yeah, with expansion. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, which takes you back to the veneer thing. Like to me, it, it would be more cost effective, you know, just less risk on the long, although cost effective with the cost of plywood these days, maybe not. Um, <laughs> But, you know, MDF is still relatively cheap. Um, so I, I don't know. I just feel like you, is it, is it worth the risk? Is it worth, you know, like That's, you're saying, maybe it'll be fine. Maybe it won't though. Like yeah. this is an organic material we're dealing with. You'll have like hundred people pulled on the internet and like 60 of them will say, yeah, I've never had any movement, you know, none whatsoever. Right. And, and like 20 people will say, well, a little bit of movement. It wasn't really a big deal. And there's going to be like that one guy who's like, it actually exploded. Like <laughs> yeah. splinters were flying everywhere. You're like, do you want to be that one guy? Like, yeah, you know, to me, it's just not, it's not worth it. But also the construction method would actually be easier with veneer. If you're comfortable with veneer, yes. But I think people who've never done veneering look at that and go, well, it's way more complicated. I'd rather just make four panels and, you know, dowel them together. I think it has that like, I don't know, weird fear around it. The kind of weird yeah. stigma that it's a lot more challenging than it is when all you're doing is just gluing something thin to something thick. Yeah. Or not, like the stigma of cheap furniture has veneer on it, maybe which that's, is alive too, and well. Yeah. Like, let me yeah. tell you there, one of the stupid, uh, what do you call them? Shorts that I did on YouTube had to do with veneering. 
and every comment that comes in is about how crappy veneer is and it's it's just the, the general populace at this point. <laughs> you oh, call yeah. yourself the There's, wood whisperer that's right <laughs> with, if that's the experience that most people have with veneer crappy veneer furniture yeah just, if you have crappy solidwood furniture still you can have exactly the opposite opinion oh veneer is yeah, good because like solid furniture is crap I think the average person walks around thinking that if it's solid wood furniture, it's better. Like That's hands marketing. across the right. It's all marketing. It's now, BS, what, man. What would you think about substituting? Now, this is going to require the purchase of a tool more than likely. Because um, if he's using dowels, he probably doesn't That's have what a domino. Recommend. Perfect. But <laughs> buy a new tool. What What if you used a domino with, you know, larger, larger spaces and essentially floated the domino? How are you going to still tie them together? So yeah, see, I, I don't understand the design. Like, I'm assuming it's them? not banded by anything. You're going to make them just... all breadboards? They're all connected together with some kind of breadboard joint so they can float independently of each other? Yeah. Well, and I think I think that would be interesting, actually. Um, though I, I don't totally understand the design because you're right. Even if you just do those four panels, is there a frame around that? Like, if you right. really want to go for like, oh, hey, God, go for let's broke. throw caution to the wind. <laughs> let's put a frame around Wrap this sucker. Wrap this in a solid frame, yeah. 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 <laughs> <clears throat> yeah. I'm not yeah. really a hundred percent sure. So. Well, and he said he didn't want to use breadboards cause he didn't like that. So I, I'm imagining like there's nothing around the outside. So there's always going to be unevenness. Like one time a year, it's going to be flush at the end. The if rest of the time a year. If they can float from each other, if they're rigidly fixed together something else is going to happen. Yeah. 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 Like splintering you know, right at the end, you know, where yeah, that you've right. got that short grain on one board. Oh, it's yeah, actually going to splinter. A, yep. Right there. Or that uh, that gunshot in the middle of the night. Scare the crap out of your family, <laughs> which can happen too. I'll, go, I'll tell you what, the thing I'm most interested to see what happens is, you guys remember the desks I made not too long ago where I glued solid walnut oh, yeah. and sandwiched a piece of uh-huh. plexiglass in the middle? Uh-huh. <laughs> That's going to be fun to watch. Uh, so I mean, but there's an, a good example here. Something that really broke the rules, but given the conditions it was stored in, it's been stable. Nothing's happened to it. But that will change very oh, just, soon, just and wait. we'll see if it remains stable. <laughs> well, Steve, in case you can't tell, we don't have a clear answer for you, but you're talking to three fairly, I guess you can call us a little bit more on the traditional side of, of woodworking in general, where if there's something that breaks a wood movement rule, we're probably not going to do it. We're going to find a different way to do it that is within the the confines of the rules that we were taught as uh, furniture makers. So a little more risk Inlay a C-channel. Oh, yeah, C channel cures everything. Four of them, yeah. never in a different direction. <laughs> yes. <Yeah. laughs> uh, good stuff. All right, Matt, you're up. Uh, okay, this is from Reed. Uh, I was wondering if you have any insight on when to use various speed settings on your random orbital sander. I understand the max speed, let's say five, <laughs> is for general sanding and should slow the sander down when doing finished sanding. How low do you go? And is there any case for using the lowest speed? One. Thanks, and I love the show. So I think, at least for me, I don't know how much sanding Shannon does anymore, but at least for me, if I'm going to turn the orbital sander down, it's going to be on those higher grits, and especially if I'm going to do any like polishing work. So I'm working on a little wall hanging cabinet right now, which has an epoxy panel, and I was just sanding that this week. So this is a very timely question. Wow. I was sanding up to 800 grit, and around that point with your epoxy panels i like to turn the speed down to like a two uh because you can kind of get some melting and some gumming if you get too much heat build up on that sandpaper as you're going so if you go that sounds on, like a fun material to work with you know i use it mm. as a building material and <laughs> as an adhesive in that build it was That's made amazing. for you i did both i've never versions. heard of that that's crazy <laughs> keep epoxy a glue oh, again man. <laughs> i tried i did both all right you know Okay. Playing both both sides. Technically, it is holding part of the board together. So it is. Right. It is holding it. Yes. <laughs> well, I, well, I also veneered it with epoxy too. So I use it as an adhesive there and a building material. And well, I actually, maybe that's the together. answer for for um, the last question, though. What epoxy uh, about the dining table? Yeah. Just just in case the whole thing in epoxy, just dip oh, it in an epoxy well. tank. <laughs> Good. <laughs> this sounds expensive. Mm-hmm. 
doesn't seem to bother anyone these days. Right. Do you remember when epoxy we'll was expensive? about the cost of plywood, but they're spending <laughs> 10 times in epoxy. I remember I would show people the West System gallon with the pumps and it'd be like, oh, that's very expensive. And now people are like, okay, boop, boop, bring the truck in, boop, there's a big pallet of epoxy coming in. Got a pour to do. Oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> how the world has changed uh, right what is it a hundred dollars or something like that for the uh, west systems pump yeah something like that yeah yeah it was over a hundred bucks and it lasts <laughs> you like five years uh-huh. right <laughs> not just one project yeah one pour done hey. okay anyway so uh, i turn it down <laughs> at the higher grits that's that's what i'm saying for me nice I think the only time I've ever really turned it down is the polishing steps. Like if I've got like a polishing bonnet on there or something in the realm of polishing, it just because it kind of can fling the material around. Oh, sure. Like a wet, wet sanding or something. Mm -hmm. And that's why I kind of want to control it for that reason. But outside of that, like 99% of the time, it doesn't come down off the highest speed. I was going to say the real question is, do you ever use the four, three or two speed? (laughs) You know, it's like, well, I'm finishing, right. I'll put it on one and the rest of the time it's on five, you know? Yeah. You yeah. should really just have a high and a low if you're going right. to Just a, just a toggle, not, not the little, yeah. you know, rolly knob, whatever you call that thing. It's a rolly knob. Rolly knob. Don't worry about it. It's a rolly it's knob. It's a serrated knob as well. <laughs> it's a serrated knob. A knurled <laughs> knob. <laughs> Knurled. <laughs> That's how I say it. All right. Well, uh, I think that's going to do it for us today. Uh, Family owned since 1954, Rockler is your go-to source for high quality and innovative woodworking tools, finished supplies, hardware, lumber, and expert advice. Whether you're building a simple bookshelf, a custom desk, or new kitchen cabinets, Rockler is everything that you need to make your next project a success. Visit rockler.com for a store near you, and you can use the code WOODTALK, all one word, to receive free shipping on most online orders over 49 bucks. And remember to head to rockler.com slash woodtalk to enter for your chance to win that gift card. 250 bucks in your pocket. Woohoo. You guys know who else has expert advice? Tell Not us. these three guys. Definitely. But if you want some inexpert advice, <laughs> send us a question. You can go to woodtalkshow.com. You can submit questions there, or you can send us an email, or you can record a voicemail like, who's his name? The guy with the t- the, the, the table. Steve. Steve. Steve, Steve with his table that's going to break. <laughs> Steve with his, with his time bomb ticking table um <laughs> he recorded a voicemail and he emailed it to woodtalkshow at gmail.com so please send us those questions and and we will happily start answering get distracted halfway through and then end up not answering it at all so and then do an ad they're like yeah maybe go back to it we're good to go so yeah <laughs> awesome stuff all right well thank you for listening everybody and we will catch you next time bye-bye see ya Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.